Hi, Aaron. Hey, Casey. How's it going? It's going great. Good. We're back for episode two of our podcast. Yes, we are. I'm really excited. I know. Now, episode one was all about how the city of Albany reacted and responded to the death of Alexander Hamilton. And it was looked at through the eyes of two people that knew him well, Philip Schuyler and Abraham Tenbrook. Right. So what do we got for episode two? So in episode two, we're actually going to take a closer look at Abraham Tenbrook and Philip Schuyler's friendship that started when they were just children and lasted the entirety of their lives. I love lifelong friendship stories. I know. It's really great. There's a lot of personal details that we found, things about like nicknames and fun stuff like that. There's also a little romantic intrigue. I think people are really going to like this one. So this episode has everything. It really does. All right, I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay. And go! Go! Tales of Old Albany, Series 1, The Schuylers and the Tenbrooks, Episode 2, Philip and Brom, A Lifelong Friendship. Welcome to the second episode of Tales of Old Albany. Last time, we explored the effect Alexander Hamilton's death had on Albany and its inhabitants. This time, we're taking a closer look at two prominent Albany citizens, one of whom was Hamilton's father-in-law. We're going to explore the life, times, and friendship of Philip Schuyler and Abraham Tenbrook. Philip Schuyler was born on the corner of what is now State and Pearl Streets on November 20th, 1733, to Johann and Cornelia Schuyler. Abraham Tenbrook was born on the corner of Columbia and Market Streets on May 13th, 1734, to Dirk and Marguerite Tenbrook. Both Philip and Abraham came from large families, but they were each the eldest surviving son. Both the Tenbrook and Schuyler families came from rather humble origins. Back in the Netherlands, the Schuylers were bakers and the Tenbrooks employees of the West India Company. The patriarchs of both families had arrived in New York, or New Netherland as it was called at the time, by the 1650s. Both families garnered wealth through the beaver fur trade. The families have a history of operating prominent trading businesses, serving on Albany City Council, as mayors, Indian commissioners, and holding militia commissions. When Philip and Abraham were born, they inherited the legacy of their ancestors. They made ample use of it and built upon it with their own accomplishments, as you're about to learn in this episode of Tales of Old Albany. In the late 1730s, the city of Albany had already been incorporated as such for nearly half a century. While it officially became English with the transfer of New Netherland from the Dutch to the British in 1664, the descendants of the early Dutch settlers, like the Schuyler and Tenbrook families, still made their homes and lives here. Seventy years after the transfer of power, the city was still far more Dutch than English, It'd be an everyday occurrence for Philip and Abraham to hear the Dutch language being spoken on the streets of Albany and even amongst family members. As children, Philip Schuyler and Abraham Tenbrook were close friends. Philip's childhood nickname for Abraham was said to be Brom. Brom, Brom, over here. 
Did you bring your marbles? How about a round of picking plums before we are expected for lessons? As young boys, Philip and Abraham likely started their education at a local church. There, they would have learned basic reading, writing, and arithmetic. They also would have spoken both Dutch and English. Who is prepared to read Psalm 23 for the class today? Abraham, come to the front of the room and read. The Lord is my shepherd. Louder, boy! (laughs) Tragedy struck Philip's life at a young age. When Philip was days shy of his eighth birthday, his father died at the age of 44. I'm so sorry, Philip. I'm in such shock that Papa is gone. Not long after this, the boys were separated. Abraham was sent to Manhattan to learn more about business from his successful brother-in-law, Philip Livingston, who had married Abraham's older sister. I'm going to miss you, Philip. Promise to write me from Manhattan? Abraham, it's time to go. We must get to the dock. I wish you could come with me, Philip. Maybe Mama will send me to Manhattan soon to prepare for college. I hope to go to Yale or Harvard University. We could go together. Abraham, now. Goodbye, Philip. Philip did not follow Abraham to Manhattan, and he never got the chance to go to university. Instead, at the age of 12, he was sent to New Rochelle, New York, to attend French Protestant minister Peter Stroupé's grammar school. There, he refined his writing, reading, and arithmetic skills. He also would have studied geometry, surveying, drawing, astronomy, navigation, philosophy, Latin, Greek, history, geography, and rhetoric, among other subjects. While Philip was in grammar school, Abraham was being groomed to take over the family business. At the age of 17, Abraham was further prepared for this venture with a trip to England. But Abraham's trip wasn't made under joyous circumstances. He was sent there following the death of his father to refine his business education. He stayed abroad for about a year, after which he returned to Albany for good. When he returned, he was reunited with his childhood friend. That cannot be brought. <laughs> and you cannot mean to use that name for me even after all these years. Though they were only 18, both teenagers quickly started their professional lives as the traders and businessmen they'd been groomed to be. Philip, I've not seen you about these streets for at least a fortnight. Just yesterday I returned from a trade expedition to the Six Nations. How goes the business? Very well. And how is business at the store? Quite well. I've taken to exporting boards of lumber. But even as we prosper, news of war weighs on my mind, Philip. Yes. Upon my return, I learned of the battle at Fort Necessity. I'm considering raising a company of men. I consider the same venture, but I believe my skills are best used here in Albany. We must use our skills in the best way to serve our king. Philip Schuyler did raise a company and was commissioned as its captain in 1755, right around the start of the French and Indian War. He eventually served as a quartermaster as well, but months later, 
his wartime experience was interrupted. Philip, I did not expect to see you in Albany so soon after your commission. N- neither did I. I have received leave at the request of Johann van Rensselaer. I fear it is news of my Catherine. <laughs> Oh, your sweet kitty VR? (laughs) (laughs) When you begin courting, you'll understand the sentiment, Brom. I must be off now to Kralo. Godspeed, my friend. Good day, sir. I am here to see Mr. Van Rensselaer. I will inform him of your arrival. Mr. Schuyler, thank you for coming. Uh, is the family well, sir? Uh, is Miss Van Rensselaer well? Catherine is... It is vital that you wed her now. Oh, uh, sir, I... The wedding I could... is to take place here the day after tomorrow. I have arranged for Minister Freelingheisen to officiate on that date. I trust you can have yourself in order for the ceremony by that time. Uh, yes, sir. Good. Regardless of the circumstance that has hastened preparation for the marriage, I am pleased with the choice you and Catherine have made in giving yourselves to each other. Uh, uh, Thank you, sir. May I see Miss Van Rensselaer? I see no issue with that now. Catherine! Papa, Mr. Schuyler. I have business to attend to. I will see you in two days' time, Mr. Schuyler. Yes, sir. Kitty, is it true? We're going to have a family, Philip. Are you pleased? More than I have ever been in my life, dear love. Philip Schuyler and Catherine Van Rensselaer were wed in September of 1755. In February of 1756, they welcomed their first child, a girl named Angelica. Over the next two years, they had two more daughters, Elizabeth and Margaret, usually referred to as Eliza and Peggy. Over the course of her life, Catherine had 15 children, out of whom only eight survived to adulthood. As Philip Schuyler started his family and began construction of an estate directly outside of Albany called The Pastures, now known as the Schuyler Mansion, Abraham Tenbrook's life followed a slightly different course. Abraham turned to political rather than military service as a young man. In 1759, he was elected to represent the third ward of the Albany City Council. The following year, he was elected to represent Rensselaerwick in the Provincial Assembly alongside Philip Schuyler, a capacity in which they both served until the Assembly dissolved in 1775. During that time, he built a bustling business and soon became one of the wealthiest businessmen in Albany. It wasn't until after he was well established as an elite member of Albany society that Tenbrook decided to marry. Like Philip Schuyler, Abraham Tenbrook married a Van Rensselaer, whereas Philip married Catherine, cousin to the patroon, or the man who owned the largest Van Rensselaer estate of nearly a million acres, Abraham married the patroon's daughter in 1763, when they were both 29. Likely because of her later marriage date, Elizabeth and Abraham had only five children, compared to Catherine Schuyler's 15. Five years into their marriage, tragedy struck the family. (laughs) Elizabeth, dear, what's wrong? 
Stephen, my brother, he's died. <laughs> Upon Stephen Van Rensselaer II's death, Abraham Tenbrook was chosen to run the huge Van Rensselaer patroonship until the eldest son, Stephen III, came of age in about 15 years. Early on in their adult lives, Philip and Abraham began to rent the labor of enslaved workers and soon began enslaving people themselves. Over the years to follow, at any given time, they each enslaved between 8 to 16 men, women, and children of African descent. They continued to enslave people throughout their adult lives. Among the people Philip Schuyler enslaved was a man named Prince. Prince served as Schuyler's personal attendant, preparing him for the day each morning by helping him dress, shave, comb, and powder his hair. Prince was then at Schuyler's beck and call throughout the day. He also directed the other enslaved people to do as Schuyler demanded, and was tasked with making sure those orders were carried out. Prince, I have directions for Lisbon, Bob, and Dick. I expect you to deliver to them immediately. Yes, sir. Lisbon is to drive the wagon to Saratoga with Bob and Dick, where they're to harvest the pitch pine. The acceptable sections will be sent to the mill once the water thaws and it is functioning. The rest is to be brought here and used as firewood. I will relay the message and instruct them to depart at once, sir. The record is silent when it comes to the personal lives of Prince, Lisbon, Bob, Dick, and the many other men, women, and children Schuyler enslaved. In the case of both Schuyler and Tenbrook, the only surviving documents about the people they enslaved related to the work they were doing, purchase of medicines for them and visits from a doctor, the purchase of shoes, runaway ads, and, in rare cases, baptismal or marriage records. At the same time that Schuyler and Tenbrook were enslaving people, they began to promote ideas of freedom and independence for white, wealthy American men like themselves. In 1775, when the American Revolutionary War broke out, Philip was chosen by the Continental Congress and appointed by George Washington to serve as a major general and command the Northern Department of the Continental Army while Abraham held the rank of Brigadier General of the Albany County Militia. As Schuyler's position often called him away from Albany to Fort George or Fort Ticonderoga, he and Abraham, both now in their 40s, likely exchanged letters with each other. Fort George, May 1776. Dear Sir, after the unsuccessful invasion of Quebec this December past, we are undeterred in our efforts to win Canada. This morning I dispatched my aide-de-camp, Mr. Livingston, to Albany to hasten to this place, whatever of Van Skyke's and Wincoop's regiments might be there. We are in desperate want of men to man the bateaus and aid in transportation of supplies. This lack of men fit for duty gives me great uneasiness lest our army in Canada should again be under difficulties for want of the necessary supplies. I implore you to do what you can to aid Mr. Livingston once he reaches Albany. 
I am so weakened by the ague, which still continues to torment me, that I cannot bear the fatigue of visiting Albany personally. Be assured that as soon as circumstance permits, I would have no greater pleasure than to call upon you and Mrs. Tenbrook. I am, dear sir, most sincerely your obedient and humble servant, Philip Schuyler. Philip Schuyler was court-martialed after being blamed for the loss of Fort Ticonderoga in July of 1777. During this time, the Continental Congress ordered he be replaced by Horatio Gates. This happened shortly before the Battle of Saratoga. Schuyler had played an important role in the 1777 campaign up until that point, but did not have a military role in the Battle of Saratoga itself. Abraham Tenbrook, however, did. Oh, Abraham, you're fortunate our young Dirk is sleeping at the moment, for he has been pleading to accompany you to battle all day. <laughs> our Dirk has a fighting spirit, that is certain. Please, my love, for the sake of myself and the children, take care to preserve yourself. Do not be unnecessarily reckless in battle. Think of us back home, whose hearts will be in anxiety each moment we're separated. My dear Elizabeth, you know I shall take the utmost care to preserve myself. But if I do not return... <gasps> Abraham, do not even speak such a thing. Now we must discuss the possibility, my dear. If I do not return, I trust you to ensure our children obtain the education deserving of their rank and that they grow up to possess strong morals and be leaders and mothers in this new republic. Oh, Abraham, you know I will carry out any such wish you have to my last breath, especially one that involves our children. I never doubted you would. I shall return to you soon, my love. <laughs> Goodbye, my dear Elizabeth. Kiss our Dirk, Elizabeth, and Marguerite each night for me. Goodbye, my love. Hasten your pace, men! The security of Albany depends on our actions. We must arrive before it's too late. During the Battle of Bemis Heights, Abraham commanded about 3,000 militiamen. They entered into the battle after the fall of British General Simon Fraser and gave the Continental Army a much-needed boost. With the arrival of Tenbrook's men, the Continental Army nearly doubled that of the British. Within two years of the Battle of Saratoga, Tenbrook resigned his commission and began serving as the mayor of Albany, a position in which he served until the end of the Revolutionary War. Throughout the rest of the war, Philip Schuyler served in various capacities, including running a spy network that targeted and brutalized loyalists, or anybody Schuyler perceived to not be as enthusiastic about the Patriot cause as he thought they should be. Following the war, Philip Schuyler was elected to the New York State and United States Senate. Abraham Tenbrook once again served as mayor of Albany from 1796 to 1798. In 1793, there was a marriage between the Tenbrook and Schuyler families. The Schuyler's youngest son, Rensselaer, married the Tenbrook's eldest daughter, Elizabeth. 
Dearly beloved, we gather together in the light of God and in the face of this company to join together this man and woman in holy matrimony. Wilt thou have this woman to thy wedded wife to live together in God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her for as long as ye both shall live? I will. Wilt thou have this man to thy wedded husband, to live together in God's ordinance, in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou obey him and serve him, love, honor, and keep him, in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto him, for as long as ye both shall live? I will. I pronounce that they are man and wife, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear Abraham, how happy I am that our children have chosen each other. <laughs> May they have a long and happy marriage. May this union between our families be a joyous one. In 1797, disaster struck the Tenbrook family. The home Abraham had lived in since birth was destroyed in a fire that burnt several blocks of Albany homes to the ground. Quick, fill up your buckets! The fire's spreading! My house! Oh, my house! Elizabeth, you and our Marguerite must get away from here! Be careful, Papa. After the fire, the Tenbrooks built their grand mansion, which still stands today on Arbor Hill. When they built it, it was technically outside of the city of Albany in Watervliet. At this point, Abraham and Philip were in their mid-60s. Over the following decade, Tragedies befell their families, and their health began to decline. Philip Schuyler faced a lot of loss in a short span of time. In 1801, his daughter, Peggy, died at the age of 42 of what was likely stomach cancer. His grandson, Philip Hamilton, died at the age of 19 in a duel that same year. His grandson, Alexander Church, died in 1802 at the age of 10. In 1803, his beloved wife Catherine died of what was likely a stroke at the age of 69. And in July of 1804, his son-in-law, Alexander Hamilton, was killed after dueling Aaron Burr. After this, Philip's already failing health truly began to decline. He was attended by his youngest child, Katie. Papa, it's time for another dose of laudanum. In a moment, Katie. I need to write a letter. Papa, let me write it for you. You should not be exerting yourself so much with such a powerful case of the gout. Who are you writing to? My dear friend, Brom Tenbrook. I mean to inquire about the health of him and his wife and their Marguerite. When Philip Schuyler died on November 18, 1804, days shy of his 71st birthday, he was buried in Abraham Tenbrook's vault. My dear, 
dear friend. Abraham Tenbrook died six years later, on January 19, 1810, at the age of 76. He was buried with Schuyler in his family vault. My dear Abraham, we shall be reunited in a better realm. Over the course of her remaining three years, Elizabeth Tenbrook manumitted, or freed, the remaining individuals who were enslaved by her and her husband. Among those manumitted was a woman named Susanna and her three young children, Dinah, Susan, and Mary. Philip Schuyler's sons and sons-in-law had manumitted enslaved people still young enough to be freed upon Schuyler's death, as he did not write their freedom into his will. Elizabeth Tenbrook died three years after Abraham, reuniting her with her husband and daughter, Marguerite, who had also died after Abraham. Following Abraham's death, an anonymous poet published a poem about the end of an era in Albany history, the end of Albany's founding fathers. And thou, Albania, thy deep gloom deplore, thy Schuyler gone, thy Tenbrook now no more. These, once thy glory, once thy cheering stars, in peace, thy armaments, thy guides in wars. Fittingly, Abraham and Philip, friends since childhood, were eulogized in the same poem. With their deaths, Albany was left to their children and grandchildren to better and build upon. Special thanks to Ian Mumpton of the Schuyler Mansion Historic Site for his assistance with this script. If you would like to visit some of the places the people from today's podcast once lived at, both the Tenbrook Mansion and Schuyler Mansion are now preserved as historic sites within the city of Albany. Fort Cralo is a historic site in Rensselaer. All are open to the public. Join us next time for Tales of Old Albany as we explore the battles of Saratoga. has been a production of the Creative License Theater Collective in partnership with the Albany County Historical Association. This episode was written by Jesse Serfilippi and co-produced and co-narrated by me, Aaron Holder, and me, Casey Polamain. To find out more about the ACHA at Tenbrook Mansion, visit www.tenbrookmansion.org. For a complete list of technical credits and info on our amazing cast of actors, information on past and upcoming productions, and more, visit Creative License at www.creativelicenseonline.com.